Good morning, PCN family. We're so glad you're going to worship with us today. And we want to jump right into the scripture this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2 and starting with verse 18. You can follow along on the screen uh, with us as well. Hear the word of the Lord for us today from Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. I wonder if you've ever seen photos or heard stories about the perfect relationship or even the perfect marriage. Even when we use those words, perfect marriage, it, they seem to conjure up thoughts or images in our minds of what we think we want in a perfect relationship. You see, there's a trending topic online right now through Facebook and Instagram, and it, it's about men who are showing off their wife. And there are many pictures of the happy couple just loving each other and sharing life together, where it seems there are no problems whatsoever. <laughs> you see, when we see things like that, sometimes I believe it makes us stop and even think or maybe even say the, the, this phrase, I want that. And I don't think it's wrong for us to desire to have a great marriage. I don't think it's wrong for us to aspire to have a better marriage than we have today. I don't think it's wrong even for us to keep striving to become better people so that our relationships will continue to grow and they will be all that we want them to be. But when we see photos like this one that you're seeing right now, this looks like a perfect photo of a couple that is just happily in love. But before you go and stop and dwell on it too long or you drool over something like this that makes us say, oh, I just, I want that. We need to realize that this photo is not reality. Now this truly is a great photo. It's a great talented photographer that took this picture. It's been carefully planned and edited and it's a single moment in time. But this is more what's happening behind the still photo. You see, this is a winter scene and it's cold outside, the snow is falling, and this woman is in short sleeves. She cannot be that happy at all. I guarantee she's not. <laughs> so when we ask people to look at these things and they hear the stories and they see things that might be too good to be true and they say things like, I want that. If we were to really ask you, maybe today you've been in that, that boat, and we were to ask you, what does that mean? Most likely, you can't even define it. <laughs> You're going to say something like, you know what, I really just want long walks on the beach, and I want to just sit in our bed and cuddle all day long <laughs> and have matching pajamas and just this perfect picture. You know, I just want, I just want love. <laughs> you know, that's just not reality. 
Some people have, have looked into our marriage, and we're both here today to kind of just be transparent with you and be real. And they've looked into our marriage from a distance, and they've made some of those comments. I want what you have. <laughs> I, I don't understand it sometimes, but they think that we have it all put together. And they'll look at us and say, you know what? You do have love. You have trust, affection, meaningful conversations. I'll admit it. I have a great partner in life. My bride, Alicia, I'm married up for sure, and I'm so thankful for that. We do have great communication lines right now. We have a mutual love for each other as individuals. We have a similar sense of humor and a growing desire to spend more and more time with one another. Here's a picture of our perfect moment, if you will. And it's our wedding day, and uh, what a great day that was. Mm. <laughs> but before you roll your eyes and you gag at our beautiful marriage, <laughs> what you need to realize is this. What we have is not a destination, but it's an ongoing journey. You see, the truth of the matter is that we have been on a road full of massive miscommunications, uh, very painful misunderstandings at times, hurt feelings, very intense conversations. And that, that's really just preacher speak for fights. <laughs> we, we do fight, we argue. And why do we fight, you might ask, since this looks so perfect? <laughs> well, really, it's because Alicia, she's, she's just kind of stubborn at times in her ways. <laughs> oh, and it also is because Mr. BJ is very demanding and intense. Yeah, that's probably true, you know. But when we fight, when we argue, and it gets heated, there are times when Alicia tends to withdraw, and she closes up and kind of pushes away a little bit. BJ does about the opposite. He gets angry and loud. That's preacher speak for he yells. Uh, it's true. I do get loud and uh, get vocal at times, and the Lord's helping us with that. You see, we fight about many things. We fought about many things over our marriage. Uh, the, we fought about the house. We fought about the clutter in the house. <laughs> how to do laundry. How not to do laundry. <laughs> how Alicia drives, of course. How she leaves the cabinets open in the kitchen. Do that. What to watch on TV. Maybe even who to spend time with. Where to eat. Uh, when to eat. And even... What to eat. What to eat, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also have fought more often than not about how BJ drives and when he tucks his t-shirts into his pants. I don't understand it. He has no explanation. <laughs> how uptight he can be or how the, we should discipline the kids and our different opinions there. You know, so we see these images of what we think we want in a relationship or a perfect marriage. I want that. But do we really know what that is? We're starting this series today called Relationships. And many of us think that what we want, we want that. And that, that is normal. However, I believe that today, what we really want is not normal at all. Because in our society, normal today is a 50% divorce rate or higher. Normal is unfaithfulness in a relationship. Normal is distrust and fear and hurt, regret, jealousy, and very much so selfishness. What we want is a different kind of relationship. What we need and what is different about that is what we're going to talk about today. And we begin this series talking about how our relationships need to be first and foremost Christ-centered. When our relationships or our marriages are Christ-centered, then they also 
will be mission driven. We want to be on the same page. We want to be moving in the right direction. We want to have purpose in what we're doing in life. And when we're Christ-centered and mission-driven, then we're going to be devil-kicking. Yeah. And the devil hates it when marriages succeed and there's strong family dynamics. And when we're devil-kicking, the last thing we're going to cover in week four is we're going to be covenant-keeping. Mm -hmm. Marriage is not a contract we sign. There's no terms of conditions. It's a covenant that we, that we volunteer to be a part of. And when we begin important relationships, if they're not these four aspects, then the chances are they will not be relationships that we truly want. So today, let's begin this series talking about what it means to have a Christ-centered relationship and a Christ-centered marriage. Mm. Christ-centered relationship. What does that even mean to be Christ-centered? I think that's a good question and a good place to start. Many people would probably think that this term means the same thing as being a Christian. If I'm a Christian, then my relationships all must be Christ-centered. But that just isn't the truth. People may also think, I'm an American. I'm not a Buddhist or a Muslim or Hindu. I'm a good person. I go to church. Therefore, I must be a Christian. Sometimes saying Christian, that you are a Christian, is just word speak. There's not the walk to back up the talk. And having a Christ-centered relationship and Christ-centered marriages doesn't just happen because you're a Christian. It's time to acknowledge that your life, my life, marriage is all Christ-centered, or excuse me, it's all centered around something. So is it yourself? Is it your kids? Is it a lifestyle? Is it an image? Our, all, our lives are all centered around something. And when they are not centered on Christ, it becomes easy for us to see the images of a perfect relationship and the perfect marriage and begin to reinforce the biggest myth out there when it comes to relationships, the myth of the one. If I'm truly going to be happy, then I have to find the one. My life will be complete if I can just find the one. I will be happy and whole when I find the one. In my counseling, uh, they call this the savior complex. You elevate one person to be your savior. Well, this isn't godly. That isn't biblical. And yet this is what the world teaches us. As girls, we're taught that Prince Charming is going to come and sweep us off our feet and, and we're going to live happily ever after. Well, I do have a Prince Charming, but let me just say, it's not always happily ever after. <laughs> That's true. And in this myth of one, we have to realize that in a Christ-centered marriage, Jesus is your one mm -hmm. and your spouse no matter how great they are, is your number two. You see, we see this in the gospel accounts in Matthew chapter 22. I encourage you to go read it for yourself, but the teacher comes, yes. The kids, this is your memory verse that you're to be working on, so this is for you, pay attention. Here you go, it says in Matthew 22:36, 36, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And then Jesus replied, in red letters, we better pay attention. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. You see, it's very simple. He needs to be our number one. Mm -hmm. You see, our lives are centered around something. You're going to see an image right now of, of a bullseye or a target on the screen. And in the middle of this bullseye or this target, whatever is in the center of your life 
will influence many things that are important to you. They're important to your marriage, your family, and your life. Whatever's at the center of this image forms your values and your beliefs. It, it decides what you really believe in and how you're going to practice those things. When your values and beliefs are established, it dictates what you do, your actions and your decisions. And as you make those choices, those choices influence those around you and you influence and impact other people. So if self is at the center of this, your values and your beliefs are simply me, myself and I. Your actions, the decisions you make, it's whatever you really want to do. And the influence and the impact you have is not very far. You know, in a good marriage, your kids, if you have kids, are very important. But if your kids are the center of your marriage, your values and beliefs are going to be all about them. You're going to maybe even spoil them, or, or you're going to hope they have more than you had. And your marriage is probably lacking. Your actions and decisions will be all about their things first. You'll invest in them rather than your marriage. Your influence and your impact will be good for their futures, but anyone else besides them, it's not going to go very far. You see, when Christ is the center, though, our values and our beliefs are Bible-based. They're absolute truths. And that then determines that our actions and our decisions that we make are Christ-driven and Holy Spirit-prompted. And the impact and the influence we have on the world is immeasurable when Christ is in the center of our life. That's good for any good marriage, but you might be saying, what if I'm not married yet? <laughs> if you want a Christ-centered marriage in the future, if that's important to you, mm -hmm. then I would encourage you, live a Christ-centered life today. You might say, later I can be involved in church, and later I can raise my kids in church and, and make sure they do the right things. I can deal with those hidden sins that nobody knows about later. I can get serious about God later. I even said that in my own life. And I was all about, let's just do what I want to do. I want to have fun now. I want to do my thing. Well, anything apart from God's will for your life, even as a single person, is sin. God wants your life. He wants to be the center of your life. You see, you don't build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. That's good. That's good. When you begin or live in a place where your life is Christ-centered, and your marriage is Christ-centered, you will begin to see how Christ shapes your relationships in so many beneficial and good ways. And this is from the young to the old. I think of even our teenagers who can shape their relationships with their friends um, through being Christ-centered. When you are Christ-centered in your marriage though, you begin to submit to one another in a biblical and healthy way. You begin to forgive more easily <laughs> And I think we all know how important that is. You honor one another. You respect one another. You begin to have conversations about God and, and life and what really matters more than and what's those deep conversations, the meat, more than just what to eat and where to go and what to do. You begin to serve together and do things together. The reality is today, as we talk about Relationships 101, Christ-centered relationships, we could give you a long list of things to make your marriage or any relationship better. Um, at times we do pre-marital counseling together, BJ and I, and, and we work together with couples and we give them work and homework, and we do all of that to help them have more of a Christ-centered relationship, to start their marriage off on the right foot. 
but we know things are a little bit different with you. We, we know that if we gave you 10 things to do to have a Christ-centered relationship, statistics prove that you will not do any of them. <laughs> if we give you five things to do, statistics say you would maybe do one or two. So today, we're not going to give you 10. We're not going to give you five, not even three. Only one thing that you can do every day to begin to have a Christ-centered marriage and relationship. We have a challenge for you. This is a challenge for ourselves as well. This isn't a strength in our marriage. This isn't something that we've been diligent to do every day, but it's something that we want to improve on. So we want to embark on this challenge with you um, and walk through these waters with you. This isn't something we're just asking of you, but we're doing for ourselves. And the challenge is we ask you to pray together every day. Studies show us that couples that pray together stay together. But you know, I think that would make a great t-shirt. Yeah. Couples that pray together stay together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that could be something we wear during quarantine. You know, yeah. wear around the house. <laughs> Relationships 501. T-shirt <laughs> design. Yeah. <laughs> so when you think about it, when you make this commitment to pray together, you need to set a time. Make an appointment with one mm-hmm. another. Uh, give a calendar reminder. Uh, write it down. You know it's coming. Yeah. And so when you know it's coming and you know you have this set appointment with your number two, <laughs> it's harder, it's more awkward to fight. Yeah. It's harder to go straight to the yelling and to the withdrawal or whatever it may be for you. It's harder to stay mad. Really because you know you're going to end up coming together and you're going to have to face that argument. You're going to have to communicate things. You're going to have to work things out because it's harder to be at odds with each other when you begin to pray in unity together. You see, when we begin to pray together with our spouse, you're more likely to begin to serve and to have deeper spiritual conversations. You're more likely to serve together and do things together. And that's really what it about being mission minded is all about. We're going to talk more about that next week. And so when you're on the same page and you're moving in the same direction, your marriage gets stronger and you will be devil kicking. And in in the end, it'll just be a renewal that you are covenant keeping. Mm -hmm. So it all begins with being Christ-centered in our relationships and in our marriages. You'll have a righteous life. You'll have a Christ-centered life where your values, your actions, and your impact will be greater. You might be sitting there today thinking, you know what? Pastor, it's easy for you to say you're a pastor, that's what you do, it's, but it's not. It's a challenge for us. And you might ask the question, how do I pray with my spouse? It's hard. It's weird. It's different. It's personal. It's too intimate. My relationship with God is mine. Well, if you've been married long enough, you probably have gone to the bathroom while the other person's in the same room. Not very, uh, not very personal, uh, or too personal, I guess I should say. You know, you've most likely helped one another when the other's been sick, and you've seen them at their worst. If you have kids, you've been intimate. You've most likely even swapped a little spit every now and then. You know, kids. If you have kids, how more intimate can you be with one another? So it's it's no excuse anymore. Very simply, we want to just tell you three quick things that you can do to begin to pray with your spouse right now. Mm -hmm. Number one, keep it short. 
You know, so many times when we're given a challenge like this, we think we need to spend an hour a day praying together. No, that's not what we're asking you to do. 30 seconds. Come together, pray together, move on with your day. 30 seconds can become a minute, can become 10. You can be doing devotions together in no time. Keep it short. Number two, keep it consistent. One thing you can start to do is pray the same prayer every day when you start. Routine will build habit, and habits determine our lifestyle. And we want to be Christ-centered. Keep it short. Keep it simple. And then number three, if you miss a day, don't miss two. You know, things will happen. And just don't miss a second day. If you're married, you can pray a prayer that's similar to this. Just simply this. Dear God, would you give us wisdom and clear direction in all that we do today? Would you help us to show your love to one another and to shine your light into the world? Keep us close to you and away from temptation and always in your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, if you're not married, and maybe you've been living the myth of the one, you still can begin to set the foundation for a Christ-centered marriage in the way you act and pray for your future spouse now. Pray every day that God, um, for that person that God has for you. Pray prayers for your future. Journal about what God is showing you about your future marriage. Write these things down, those single prayers, and keep them. Then, when you begin your relationship with your spouse, you can pull this journal out and show them the prayers that you were praying and the direction that God was leading you so that you would be prepared to have a Christ-centered marriage and relationship. If you're single, you can pray a prayer like this. Dear God, give me the wisdom and clear direction in all you do and say today. Would you help to show me your love to others today over myself and to shine your light into the world? Please keep me focused and close to you, away from temptation and always in your will for my life today. Protect my heart and my life for my spouse. Protect his or her heart and the life for me. I trust you with my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ-Centered Relationships, Relationship Goals 101 for us today. So if you've ever seen those pictures or those images that we showed you earlier, or you have an imaginary idea of what a perfect marriage or relationship ought to be, and you've said things or maybe thought it, I want that. That's not a bad thing, but you need to know what that is. And that is a Christ-Centered Relationship. And Christ-centered marriages. It's really what our desire needs to be. And when we have that, we have a marriage and a relationship that is full of intimacy, adventure, romance. It's going to be full of trials and pain and hurt and disappointment. It's going to be full of forgiveness and healing. But most importantly, it will be full of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's what's real. That's what will keep you going. You see, Christ-centered relationships and marriages are not a destination. It's an ongoing journey. And if Christ is your number one, you are never on your own. He's always there for you. The reality of coming through this COVID situation is that there are going to be marriages that struggle. There are also going to be marriages that flourish in this time of spending more time together. 
But what you can realize is that if your relationship is Christ-centered, that you can make it and you will be okay. <laughs> this has been a great time. And I want to ask my number two, my bride, Alicia, to close us in prayer today. And as she prays, will you pray with her and seek God's direction and plan for your life? Seek his plan and direction for your marriage and your relationships, that they would be Christ-centered. Would you pray for us today? I'd be honored to. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity that once again, we can come together in these unique circumstances, but be united on one thing, that your love for us is never failing and that your love for us is true and faithful and that we can depend on that in these trying times. God, I pray for my marriage and I lift up BJ to you today. I thank you for him and his life. And I pray that in these times and these days ahead that we can continue to grow closer together by growing closer to you. God, I pray that prayer for every person, all the marriages in our church, Lord. And today for those who are still looking for their number two, Lord, I just pray that you bless them and strengthen them in this time and, in, and encourage them and remind them that how important it is to continue to pray for their spouse and their friends. God, I lift up my church family to you today. There are so many needs within our church and, I, and my heart breaks that I can't wrap my, my arms around their neck and hug them. But Lord, I, I know that you're with them and I'm trusting them um, in your hands, God. And I just ask that each person that is going through this time of trial and, and, and sickness, emotional and physical and, and spiritual, Lord, that you would just be with them that your peace and comfort would, would just rest upon them, that your strength would get them through to the next day, to the next hour, Lord, or maybe it's just minute by minute. God, I thank you for the miracles that have taken place this week within our church, within our community, and even within our, our country, Lord. I pray for our church family. I lift them up to you today. I'm thankful for their love for us, for their encouragement. And Lord, I just ask that you bless them abundantly. Lord, I just praise you and thank you again for this time that we can be together, that we can grow closer to you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I challenge you, if you are a married couple out there and you have been praying together, leave a comment below and tell us, tell us what a tip or a, or, um, a blessing or something that has really come from your time of praying together. Encourage us who are beginning in this journey or really working to strengthen this part of our journey. Um, so if you have something that you have been doing with your spouse um, that works or, or a blessing that you would like to share, leave that in the comments below. I think we would all be encouraged until we can get our, our shirts made. Couples that pray together, stay together. That'll be an encouragement to us. And it's a way we can communicate and be with one another, even though we can't be physically together. We want you to know that we love you. We miss you yes. so much. We cannot wait to, to be together again. Uh, face to face and no more physical distancing. Yes. We look forward to that day. Uh, but we also want you to know that you are prayed for and you are thought of uh, by your staff at the church. And uh, we are constantly in prayer for you and trusting the Lord in these days together. If you do have any needs or anything that we need to know about, please don't hesitate to call the church office and let us know. We'd be happy to pray with you or to help in any way that we can. 
We love you. Thank you for joining us today. We can't wait to do this again soon. We'll talk again soon. Have a great week.